thyself. I am Jess Becker, the founder of Real Connection Sofa, and I'm excited to share holistic experts, practitioners, and healers each week with you. They will be sharing their journeys into the health and wellness field and leaving you with tips, tools, and techniques for you to use in your own personal life. Today, we have Judy Weaver of Body Mind Recalibration. Welcome, Judy. Hi, Jess. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'd love for you to introduce yourself to the audience and just tell us a little bit about who you are and what have you been up to these days? Well, great. Thank you. So my name again is Judy Weaver. I am a yoga therapist and a yoga teacher. I, um, I, I am also really involved in post-traumatic growth. And that comes from my um, work with veterans in the military and uh, pretty much any of my clients who have uh, dealt with trauma. And it's really about how do you move forward and have the very best life you can. Mm, thank you. Um, well, I'm definitely curious, and I know audiences as well. Is there anything specific that took you to this path on your own journey um, a personal experience or a situation that made you realize besides teaching yoga, but becoming more of the yoga therapist and maybe even more specifically working with trauma and veterans. Yes. Uh, so for me, uh, my watershed moment of uh, moving away from, you know, the generally stereotypical, you teach a yoga class, eventually you teach teacher trainings and that type of thing, was that in 2007, a young man, Army Ranger, he had five tours in the Middle East. He came into my life in Boca at the yoga studio that I teach at, Yoga South, and he had um, been diagnosed with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And his doctor down at the Miami VA suggested that he go learn yoga, breathe and move while he was going through this. So for the next two and a half years or a little bit more than that, I worked with him and his family. And what I found was that um, because he lost the ability to physically move pretty quickly on, that it was all of the softer sides, as I call it, which is really the most difficult part of the practice of yoga, was made his journey in that way so much um, easier internally. And as you, as you may know what ALS is, it really just, it's like um, you're stuck literally in the physical body, your cognition, your um, ability to think and, and process uh, mentally does not diminish. If anything, I think it increases, but you can't control your body movements. So you're literally trapped inside of the body. And I really observed how um, this practice of meditation and um, mindfulness helped him and his family stay out of depression. His family believes he had an extended life because of this practice. And um, for me, that was that was such a, like I said earlier, a watershed moment. And I saw a little movie called The Hurt Locker. It won the Oscar in 2009 or 10. And that really shifted me. I saw that our military members um, had uh, were able to be present in chaos. The young man in the movie, he um, diffused bombs and it was no big deal to him. But it was the coming home and being in the grocery store in the um, aisles with the cereal that he just got hijacked back to Iraq. 
and they're not present in peace or um, in this particular case uh, when they come home between deployments. So I told my husband that's upside down and, and I can fix that. Um, and I reached out to a Vietnam veteran, Ralph Iovino, who I had taught to be a yoga teacher a few years before that. And uh, I asked Ralph to bring vets and I would teach free classes. So that started my journey in the trauma world and specifically in the veteran world. Um, so it's, it's been amazing, fascinating, and it, what a gift. Well, I was about to say, the gift also is, is you. I mean, when I think of community, I think of Judy Weaver, the way that you show up, the way that you, you know, you really have stepped into that light of, of reminding veterans or just everyone, right? We talk about different forms of trauma and I've had other people on the podcast as well. And, you know, I'm always just kind of hoping that people like you are that inspiration and that influence, because a lot of times we don't know where to start or we have an idea um, and we don't always kind of go through the plan. And I know that's something when you first started, can you share a little bit about Connected Warriors and how that began and how part of the veteran community, how important that is even to this yeah. day? Yeah. So, you know, first off, think about and, and I didn't realize this. My husband's a veteran, but he was uh, in the Air Force during the Cold War in the early 80s. So nothing like, you know, as, as we all are feeling now with this drawdown um, with Afghanistan, how how all that felt looked back then when he was in the military was nothing. So for me to understand that the scope of this community is huge, it's 22 million veterans, it's 2 million active duty and reservists, but it's really the 60 to 80 million family members, which is 100 million people. And if you look at that in the scope of the United States, it's about a third of the entire population. So what that equates to is our veterans and their families are in every single community, but because they are the largest tribe, I call them, that have a life and death um, consequence, they are a closed-knit tribe. Now, our first responders are also part of that tribe, and uh, what's interesting is our first responders, about 30% of them are veterans, so they kind of are all part of that same piece. And for, if you look at the first responders, you're looking at about a million and a half people uh, nationwide that are part of that tribe. So with that said, um, it was, it was a question one of my original board members asked me because I started this here in Boca and he thought, I'm sure he thought that this would just be a vision I had here in Boca, but no, I, 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 I answered him, well, wherever there's a veteran, an active duty member, a family member and a yoga teacher, we will be. So what that ended up looking like pre-pandemic was uh, 28 states, eight countries, uh, we have an agreement with the VA to provide and uh, participate with their yoga programming throughout the entire Veterans Administration system. And we have classes or had classes at 16 active duty military installations and 38 VA hospitals and vet centers. So um, something that was just a thought uh, way back in 2010 now we have had over 170,000 visits and thankfully zero reported suicides. And as you may or may not know, in the veteran community, suicide, their suicide rate is just astronomically high um, compared to just the civilian rate. And we're looking at somewhere between 20 to 22 suicides a day uh, with, yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking. 
Yeah, I remember reading about or learning about that there are more suicides than actual the death of combat. Um, yes. And that a lot of that is <clears throat> unnoticed, but, um, but wow, yeah. Well, if you can also share a little bit more about I know you have coined the yoga, your own growth and awareness, yes. um, which I love. And and what is it about yoga that is so great to bring to communities such as veterans? In a nutshell, because I know that could be very, very deep, <laughs> but how would you say in a couple of words, let me rephrase that, in a few words, <laughs> in a couple sentences, um, what is it? Because there are people listening that, you know, I know my dad's a perfect example. He's a veteran of, you know, the Israeli war and Yom Kippur war and all that. And he definitely um, doesn't understand or just maybe they never dove into it. So can you kind of break it down for <laughs> he and anyone else out there? Right. Yes. Yeah, so if you think about um, uh, the best way I can say is we're energetic beings like every other live creature on this planet, but we have a human experience. And in that human experience, we have lost our ability to really know what we're feeling sometimes. And not just the feelings of emotions, but the feelings of the body. And what yoga does is it allows an individual to take a moment to actually interpret the information the body has for it because our body has sensors as we all know we have our external sensors right sight sound touch taste smell and those are running and we have internal sensors into the body 24 7 365 and i think the problem comes as we live our life as we move through life we we don't hear those we don't hear that information we just don't hear it we don't hear that oh there's something going on here oh i'm upregulated i'm in my fight flight or sympathetic nervous system well how do you switch how do you bring it back to what we want to live in which is rest and digest which is the parasympathetic nervous system so in a nutshell i would say Yoga allows an individual for first the self-awareness of what the heck's going on inside the body, inside the thoughts, inside the emotional and the spiritual aspects of us. Then it gives you the tools to either upregulate yourself or downregulate yourself. And so you can sit in what we all would like to be homeostasis, which is that nice, gentle hum of life moving forward and be able to feel and respond to when we need to have that burst of activity and that immediate response, which is the sympathetic nervous system. I have to respond to that. Oh, right. Or let's just chill. I'm done responding to that now. Now I need to ratchet it down or downregulate and move back into my place of rest and digest. So yoga has an unique ability between practicing um, ethics and how you view the world and how you show up in the world to the physical practice to breathing practices to focus concentration meditation so that you can tap in to all of this information that's already in the body but we just can't hear it wow okay that was perfectly concise um for something that i know is so much deeper and i i'm really glad you brought that up about all the different facets and 
probably come up on other interviews, but I do love when we kind of chat on the fact of the eight limbs of yoga, because I think in this society and even in the Western culture, right, it's always poses and, you know, you being a yoga therapist and and bringing a lot more to it. um, I think it's so important for people to recognize about yoga on and off the mat. And I think you are a great example of that. So I thank you. Um, and also about a new paradigm kind of shifting for the huh. future of yoga. I would love to chat on or hear from you about Yoga Unify, um, right. as I know that is something that you co-founded. So please tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I guess the uh, I'm always interested in what's the future. Right. What is the future? And this practice is this practice of yoga is thousands and thousands of years old. But we're sitting in 2021. Right. And when you sit here in 2021 and to reflect back for thousands of years, what is the relevance of yoga? Well, it's really relevant now in in even a bigger way. But it's maybe the delivery or maybe it's the perspective of it. And so when Ravi Singh um, and I met in Sedona Yoga Festival, Heather Titus put us on a panel together on how to be a real yoga teacher, for whatever that means, by the way. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty outspoken. And, and we had this great conversation and dialogue. Well, Ravi called a month later and said, Hey, Judy, you know, what do you think about what's currently going on in the yoga world related to maybe accreditation or registry and all of that? And what I didn't know is he was also on the panel of Yoga Alliance for the standards. I was on one, he was on a different one. And, you know, at the end of the conversation, it was clear that what we wanted to, and Ravi's vision is so clear, we want to preserve these traditions of yoga. And yet we want to steward the forward evolution of this practice because we are in 2021. We are no longer in, you know, uh, a prior number that was four to 5,000, maybe even older than that. And how do we do that? How do we do it with integrity? But more than that, how do we up-level this profession? I look at the dynamic between a yoga teacher and a yoga therapist and the perception of that, right? The perceived value of one versus the other. I personally think a yoga teacher is as valuable as a yoga therapist. They just have a different work. That's all. But the yoga therapist might be valued greater because of our perception of, of, you know, what is the words, right? Words are important. Where if we could just find a way to value the competencies of yoga teachers, regardless of what trainings they've taken, then that to me is the new paradigm. And that's what we are looking to do. And that's what we are doing. In fact, we uh, rolled out our qualifications just um, a week ago a week and a half ago. And we're working with IYT for yoga therapists also. And um, it's just a wonderful way to wrap this all back around is community. Because what our goal is, is that this is peer reviewed. You as a yoga teacher, you're peer reviewed by your other peers and your teachers and the lineages get to set the standards of what they feel is required for competency of that lineage or tradition, rather than this, this other body of individuals who try to put us all in the same box, because we're not. Yoga is so, the breadth of yoga 
in itself is so broad and the lineages and traditions, there's so many of them, it's impossible to fit it in a box. And that's why um, it, we push back as a, as a yoga community, push back against the regulations of that because you can't regulate it in that, in this traditional sense. Yeah, it's truly, I mean, brought it back to community and, you know, more and more I'm hearing from you and <clears throat> reading more into this as well. And I'm a yoga teacher and I definitely need to learn more about what you're offering and see if I am qualified because I definitely think that the future is changing. And I love that you are reminding us of that. So <laughs> thank you. And so, um, so Jess, you know, you, you're absolutely okay. qualified, by the way, oh, everybody <laughs> is. And that's the goal is to, Perfect. you know, we have... <clears throat> excuse me, we have um, student advisors, <clears throat> excuse me, that help you on your pathway. And that's the whole goal is if you are starting out as a new teacher, if you've had 40 years of teaching, but you're interested in a different direction, that's what we have a catalog for, which is to help you navigate your way through who are qualified teachers in that particular subject matter, right? As opposed to just going on Google and it's like throwing a dart at a board and, and say, okay, I'll pick that one. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, and speaking of yoga, I know that's something that, you know, we are very quick to serve the community. It is in our nature. It is a part of that yoga practice. Um, I would love to know a little bit about how you serve yourself, what you do for Judy. Do you have any non-negotiables, any daily routines or things you do to take care of yourself? Uh, yes, absolutely. So self-care, I think, is paramount to being in this industry, to being able to do my job, to be able to share what I know without, um, I call it vicarious trauma, where my first and primary objective is I want to be able to meet my students or my clients where they are and to be able to do that correctly for me anyways, in a professional manner, I have to have um, energetic boundaries around myself because otherwise I would start to take on their stuff. And then I have another client. So, so that's probably my first self-care is to make sure I have strong energetic boundaries around myself so it can help dissipate some of the energy of other people's work, right? And the second one is my own daily sadhana, my, my daily practice. I actually was at answering a question for Ravi uh, yesterday, and he, he said, what is your sadhana? And for me, it's a seated meditation, it's pranayama practice, it's mantra, it's asana, and then it's um, reading some sort of text that is related into this, um, into yoga or into any of the kind of um, ancillary aspects around that practice. And my, my other one is a hot bath. And, mm -hmm. and um, that to me, it's almost a literal washing off all the energy from the day and to start with a clean slate. And my last one is to listen to myself and to take time off. As those who know me, I take two weeks off at the end of the year. I take, uh, I take a lot of time off because I want to be, when I'm on, I want to be present and on and fully in that space and the only way i figured out to do that is um i learned a long long time ago from a mentor you play as hard as you work mm, that's a great quote 
Um, so I wanted you to share with the audience maybe a tip, tool, or technique, um, but you did bring up about reading some books, unless you have other one in mind, maybe sharing with the audience, especially the other yoga teachers, yoga therapists out there, any go-to books or things that we can um, kind of practice on our own? So one of the most influential books I've read, not yoga, is Who Moved My Cheese? And that is probably at the um, foundation of, of everything I've created, which if you sum up that entire book, and it takes really just an hour or so to read, it's really short. It's what do you do if you're not afraid? Because underlying almost every decision we make or we don't make is fear. And so for me, when I read that, it like took all of the boundaries away from things. Oh, I can't achieve that. Oh, I don't know enough about that. Oh, I don't know what that is. Oh, I'm afraid of that. You know, and it took all of that away. So that was a critical book for me. The other book I've read several times is uh, from uh, Mr. Iyengar, Light on Life. As you know, for me, light on yoga is my go-to uh, go-to for asana practice. Um, but light on life is my go-to to living life and how that all works. So, those are probably my my two priority books, and I tend to go back to them, you know, periodically. And then I have a I read everything, Jess. So it would be kind of hard to say what what. Every, what else I could uh, recommend, but mm. those right now are that. Oh, the other one. No, I do have one. is called uh, Bre Breathe, and that's by James Nestor. And maybe, no, it's called Breath. It is a seminal book on pranayama without calling it pranayama, but how do we breathe? And he looks at from an anthropological perspective to an evolutionary perspective to a scientific perspective on how how do we breathe? How does the body breathe? How does it breathe best to bring us the most health? And it's it's phenomenal book. I actually downloaded it. So here's my reminder to get reading on it. Um, well, because you have so much information and we love learning from you. If anyone wants to reach out to you, um, what's the best way either on IG, website or an email? So Instagram, I'm um, Judy Connected Warriors. I have another one I made for me personally, but I, 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 I can barely do the one. So that's what I have on, on Facebook. I'm on, I'm Judy Weaver on uh, the internet. You can find me at uh, bodymindrecalibration.com or if that's just crazy to write out, it's B-M-R-E-C-A-L.com. And you can email me at judy at bmrecal.com. And you can always find me at Connected Warriors too. And that's connectedwarriors.org. And now you can find me at Yoga Unify. So, wow, that sounds crazy. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's great. And all that information will be in the episode notes because I know people are going to want to learn more because you have so much more to share. Um, thank you so much for being with me today. And for all the listeners, if you like this episode and you want to hear more like it, please like, subscribe, follow, and share. And thanks everyone for joining us until next time. I'm wishing you all good health, lots of love and happiness. Bye. Bye.